Welcome to the You Should Know This podcast by BCC Research. Our podcast features innovative companies and individuals who are working to shape, disrupt, and revolutionize not only their own industries, but also the way we'll live and work in the future. Each week, we talk to visionaries whose work is something you should definitely know about. Now, here's your host, Clara Mowit. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Clara Mawad, and as a content specialist for BCC Research, I'm excited to bring you along as we talk to the companies and individuals who are leading us into the future. Today, we're exploring the world of venture capital, where dreams go to become reality. And who better to join us in discussing this hot topic than today's guest, Jonathan Hung. A co-managing partner at Unicorn Venture Partners, Jonathan Hung is one of Southern California's most active angel investors. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, do you mind giving us some background information on yourself and kind of how you got into the venture capital industry? Yeah, definitely. So it's funny, I, I never thought I was going to do this, you know, when I was growing up, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a doctor, you know, then I realized like, wow, I'm not really great at biology. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, I was good at chemistry and physics. So I was just like, wow, no, nope, that's it. I can't do this. So I did uh, what my father did, you know, uh, my father was an entrepreneur and businessman, you know, he came to this country with, you know, $500 to his name and was able to create um, a vast amount of wealth for himself, um, making clothing. So since 2012, I've uh, actually helped run our clothing company. It's called United Overseas Textile Corporation. Um, We do business as Barrage, and it's basically contract manufacturing. So what we do is kind of like Foxconn does for phones. But instead of like doing work with Apple, Dell, or, you know, HP, we do things for Costco, Burlington Co. Factory, Amazon. We do contract manufacturing for uh, pants, suits woven shirts, knit shirts, and I sometimes have a label, sometimes I don't, I just use my customer's label. Um, Around that time in 2012, also, you know, I thought to myself, well, I'm in LA, I heard about something about Silicon Beach, and I wanted to find uh, what that was all about. And I became an angel investor. Um, My first investment was a company called Gift, G-Y-F-T. It was, uh, it still is a, a mobile gift card company where you can send and receive mobile gift cards instead of actually getting the physical car. And, you know, cloud computing was just start, I mean, not just starting, but like the idea of like having Apple Pay or Google Pay or Samsung Pay on your phone instead of actually having physical cash or a card was, uh, was just starting back then. And I thought that's a great idea. And literally 10 months later, a gift got acquired by First Data, and ever since then, it, it like you know, it's just like winning at the casino. That's how they got me. It hooked me. <laughs> and since then, I've probably done about um, well over eighty direct deals. I'm a limited partner in thirteen different funds besides my own fund as a GP. And let's see what else I could say. It's it's been really fun. You know, I get to meet a lot of great, interesting people. I love it when I'm driving around town and I see a billboard for one of my companies, or you know, a truck with you know their their brand or logo on it. That sounds amazing. I mean, I think there's definitely an element of venture capital that is very alluring to a lot of people. The idea <laughs> of being able to kind of dip your toes in as you know all the different industries and really see these companies blossom. I mean, I think that's why shows like Shark Tank do so well. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely something that people are interested in. But when we look into a bit more of the particulars, if you will, um, profitability, you've mentioned is one of the biggest trends in venture capital. And I kind of wanted to start there because I mean, as much as the idea itself is 
the thing that we want to focus on, the it really comes down to the funding. Um, so what would you say when it comes to profitability being the biggest trend in venture capital? Honestly, it, it just depends on what stage it is. You know, where, where we play, Unicorn Venture Partners, um, we are pre-seed, seed, and Series A investors. So profitability is not uh, a huge concern for us. Revenue growth is, customer growth is, um, the team especially is. That's the number one factor we look at because it's so early. They do not have product market fit. They just need money to get the MVP started at times. And really, I always like to tell people, you know, we're kind of in high school. You know, we try to get people to college and get them graduated. Once they get their Series A and they move on, that's the goal. And when it comes to profitability from a later stage, I think that's huge. Because at the same time, we might do really early stage investments, but we do opportunistic things. Like in our portfolio, we have done Coinbase and we have done Lime. Like two great examples of unicorns um, at late stage investments that we made. Um, Coinbase was at $8 billion when we invested and Lime was at $2.4 billion. Two really separate stories and you see how COVID has affected them. Uh, with Coinbase, um, I believe reports are talking about right now that they should be IPOing sometime this year or next year, or they could be doing a direct listing, or it might be uh, through a SPAC, you know, which is great. And you know, you see Bitcoin prices have been going up. It, it's a great company of where you can buy and sell cryptocurrencies. But when then you look at Lime, for example, well, unfortunately, you know, Lime, they were actually being profitable, but they had huge cash flow issues because once COVID hit. Nobody was riding on the scooters anymore. And we had to take a down round valuation and Uber put in about like 100 to 150 so million uh, to take the valuation to about 550 million. So we probably lost around 80% of our value of our investment because of that issue. Uh, so it really just depends on where a company is in terms of profitability and making money. Um, you look at WeWork, you know, you look at, and you see Airbnb possibly going IPO soon enough. They've already indicated. And it's really just the question of, at the end of the day, even Amazon, you don't you don't really start off being in the black. You're going to be in the red. But at the same time, like as investors, you're, you're believing in future growth, future trends. And you're going to see, well, my belief is that my money is going to be worth tomorrow because this company is going to make money and it's finally going to be able to maybe declare a dividend or be, be able to make more and more money. It's so interesting to look at. I mean, why do we sometimes invest in companies that are worth well over a billion dollars? Because of the ability for them to make even more money as they get more profitable. Best example, Facebook. Facebook, I believe, when they had about 10 million users, I think Yahoo offered $1 billion for it, mm. for the company. And that's a lot of money. Mark Zuckerberg would have, hey, would have been a billionaire, the youngest billionaire, right? And think about how much Facebook is worth today. I think it's probably worth, what, 800 and 900 billion. So if you had invested at $1 billion, you still would have made 900 times your money oh. right now. Wow. When you think about it that way, right? Because, hey, it's the idea that, look, Facebook at the time was not profitable. They were not making money. They did not have a billion users yet. So what, what you have to see is how the entrepreneurs, how the business people in the startups or, you know, early stage companies, how are they going to grow the business? And profitability is huge because you're not looking at the current value. You're always looking at the future value as an investor. The same thing you see at Apple. You're going to invest in Apple because you believe they're going to be worth more tomorrow than they are today, even if they are at an all-time high. That makes a lot of sense. And something that you said at the beginning, I think, really struck me when you mentioned it's kind of like high school and you want to get them to college. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so because you don't have hard numbers to make these decisions on, you're kind of looking at the team that's been put together. Mm-hmm. How much of that influences you as in like, what do you look for personally in a team? If you can't, if you don't have a lot of data to go off of. Really? You look at their background. Like, you know, it doesn't matter where they went to school. It matters like what they studied and the kind of experience they had as a, as a professional. And have they been a founder before? You know, sometimes the best way of making money is losing money because you really learn what the mistakes you did the first time around and then you're going to do better the second time around. It's really hard for somebody to always like go, you know, 10 for 10, you know, in our venture world, like we know that it's going to be really hard for all of our portfolio companies to succeed. There are going to be different types of successes. There's going to be a little bit of just like unfortunate circumstance that hurts their ability to grow. But at the same time, when we look at every investment, we have to believe that this one is the one that's going to change everything. Got it. And I mean, that in and of itself is, you know, there's a lot of variables that you're playing with. And when you put that all into today's context with COVID-19, things become even more uncertain. Mm -hmm. So what do you see, you know, how has COVID influenced venture capital investment strategies and ways of going about things? Really, it's just another like when you think about black swan events or something that a macro event that happens in the world, you know, whether it's a war, whether it's a natural disaster. COVID is just another thing that happens. I mean, it's unfortunate um, the amounts of lives that have been lost and everything that's going on, but we will persevere. Humans will persevere. And when you think about it, some of the best companies in the world have come out of really hard times. I mean, uh, you could always go back to the Great Recession, which is less than like about 12 years ago. You could talk about Uber coming out of that or Airbnb, but go back even further. You think about Microsoft. Microsoft came out during the time when uh, it was uh, President Jimmy Carter and the whole oil issues back then. And it was a great recession before President Reagan took over. Uh, Hey, Microsoft was able to come out from a, a, a great recession. I mean, or a recession, not a great recession. I mean, there's also the dot-com bust. I mean, you see companies like Google and Salesforce were able to withstand the dot-com bubbles. So really, it's just finding opportunities that there will be great investments to be made. Um, unfortunately, there will be a lot of job losses here and there, but that's opportunity for people. Maybe that's instead of like, hey, I'm no longer working at a Fortune 500 company, I'm gonna start my own company. Like I'm going to leave Google or I'm going to leave Facebook or I'm going to leave um, uh, companies here in Los Angeles, for example, at Snapchat or or SpaceX or Tesla to start my own company. And you're, they're going to come to investors like myself and other people to find money to help get their ideas up and running. Yeah, it's almost as if because it's already a very flexible industry, if you will, there's a lot of variables that you all always are playing with. It's more inclined to go with the flow of uncertainty given our current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, piggybacking off of that, what are some things that both venture capitalists and entrepreneurs can do to be successful um, come post COVID-19, you know, the economic environment that we'll be landing ourselves in? Honestly, I always feel it's the team and who you're surrounding yourself with. I mean, I, I, I think it's great that certain people get all the credit, you know, whether it's Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos or even Warren Buffett. But I think uh, if you ask every one of them and any amazing woman founder, at the end of the day, it's a team that you create. I mean, Apple wasn't created by one man. There's all these great engineers there. There was, look how Steve Jobs had Tim Cook and look the amazing job that Tim Cook has done since he's become CEO. You have to have amazing people 
around you in order to succeed. And just like in my game, I couldn't do what I do without my partners, Philip Serafin and, and David Lin. Without them, like I, I, I probably would have made more mistakes along the way because we have to help each other out. We have to have different viewpoints. Like if Dave and I were the same person, it would never work out because we would just do the same thing. And then like, it would never, <laughs> it would never, it would be this, it would be just like, oh, just like, wow. Sometimes I, I like to invest in gut. Dave has more numbers. And I actually appreciate that about Dave because it makes me think more clearly. And sometimes when I listen to Philip give me a suggestion about a company, I'm like, I didn't even think of it like that. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, the diversity that a team members bring is always, I mean, it's beneficial for established companies as well. So it's, I can see how it's vital for startups. Um, and actually, I want to go back to something that you mentioned briefly earlier. So you touched upon Bitcoin or coins as a, you know, something that you were in, uh, investing in or looking into. Um, yes. I know that alternative investments um, are becoming a bit more prominent within the industry. How do you see that unfolding in the next, say, five years? I think really like, you know, there's all these rules about you have to be an accredited investor, Right. But I see there's a lot of more crowdfunding that's going to happen because of where we are. We're very digital. We're very uh, smartphone enabled. I mean, it's going to be 5G. It's going to be 6G. It's going to be supercomputers. I think the average investor is going to be able to invest in alternative investments. They're not just public companies. I mean, you look at Seed Invest, for example, or WeFunder, people can invest small dollar amounts, $1,000 here, $5,000 here, maybe $500, and get uh, some skin in the game. We have a company that I invested in uh, back in, I want to say, 2016. It was called, or still called, <laughs> Miso Robotics. Uh, Miso Robotics was in the news recently because uh, White Castle has decided to use their Frybot called Flippy to be installed into one of their White Castle locations in uh, Illinois. Hopefully, uh, by the end of the year, by next year, they'll be in every single White Castle. But the idea there um, really is just the opportunity that you could you could go on Seed Invest as a normal investor, average investor, not an insider, not a Silicon Valley expert, and put in some money into the company. At, at the valuation it is, and you are the belief that this company will be worth more tomorrow. And you don't have to write a $10 million check, a $5 million check. You could literally put in $1,000 in if you believe. And I think that's where we are. I mean, think about how trading platforms have changed. Back in the day, we used to call in trades or leave voicemail messages. Now it's just like you have Robinhood with zero, uh, zero commissions. I mean, it's so easy. And you don't even have to buy a single share. You could buy fractional shares. So it's getting more and more easy for people to just to be able to trade, I think. And that's going to allow them to have more different things. Like there's there's companies where you could buy a fraction of a car or a fraction of a piece of art. Yeah, that really makes things exciting as far as like what is possible in the future. Um, and pivoting slightly and looking at things from the point of view of an entrepreneur who's looking to get funded. Um, I know there's Sometimes with the, the problems that they run into isn't necessarily that their idea isn't a good idea, but it's how they present both the idea and themselves personally. So from a personal point of view, what do you look for in an elevator pitch or an initial meeting with someone? What are some of the first things that you're trying to, to see if there's something there? I mean, it, it changes over time, but I think I've, I've kind of like... Uh come down to these four foundational things when I look at a company to start with. Really, um, number one is team, as I always say. Like, who are they? What makes them click? Like, what is their background? Why them? Because I think when you talk to Warren Buffett or Bill Gates and they saw, talked about what made them successful was their focus. So I look at the team. It's not necessarily the idea. Like, how focused and determined 
is the individual really matters to me. Um, number two, I would say is, is there some sort of intellectual property or specific tech that's unique to their product or service? That's really important that I, that have, I mean, it could be something where it's like, Hey, maybe they're not the first search engine, right? Because you already have Yahoo and Google or the first social media play, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be something better because they're doing something else different that, Hey, that could help them get acquired or be even bigger than what is currently out in the marketplace. And three and four, it's it's early, but to see how their customer growth is and their revenue growth. They're not going to have a bunch of customers and a bunch of revenue in the beginning, but do they have a plan to acquire that? What are they going to use? Are they going to use certain ad spend? Are they targeting a certain demographic that's being overlooked? Um, is it a way where they can actually, wow, scale really quickly? Is it a tech company versus a consumer company? Those are Those are two different types of industries and takes a different type of budget. So would you say that, let's say, take an elevator pitch, for example, if you have someone who in a span of two minutes is able to touch on all four points, would you say that's a pretty solid pitch? Yeah, I totally think it would be a great solid pitch, but sometimes you don't need all four. If one one of them this really sticks out, I'm going to ask for a follow-up. You know, if you, if you just anchor on one of those points that I never understood, I'm going to want to take a meeting to learn more about. Got it. That's that's good information for people to have. And f to wrap this all up, which has been really fun and really interesting conversation for sure. But and I know you just gave four tips, but if you could give a hopeful entrepreneur one tip, either a always do this or don't ever do that, what would it be? Uh, honestly, I would say the most important thing is about looking in yourself and making sure that you really want to do this because it's not you can turn off the clock it's not a nine to five job i mean becoming a, an entrepreneur and becoming who my father was for example it's not like you clock out at 5 p.m every day this is something you have to be willing to sacrifice a lot of your time and sometimes it's it's not going to be fun it's not going to be fun but you love what you're doing and so it, it is fun to yourself but you really have to be able to be determined to say that you know it's not that like oh my work is all everything i do and that's my life not not at all but it's just something where it's like listen certain people have other hobbies and interests some people are great at being a father or mother and that's not should not be overlooked but when you become your own business person it just takes a lot of grit and are you willing to not give up that's the most important thing i think when you want to be an entrepreneur and if you're looking to raise money from other people because you have to get people to believe that you are somebody who's not going to give up and you did everything you could there wasn't any more you could have done to help succeed for what your idea is such a good point so true and once again thank you so much jonathan for taking the time to go through this industry especially given our current situation i know a lot of times um especially with what the pandemic has brought with it it can be uh very easy to see all the negatives that have really come our way um and just your your perspective on you know what innovations will come out of this uh just kind of sheds a bit of hope in what otherwise would be a very um bleak time. So thanks again. Thank you very much, Clara. It was great. Thank you for listening to the You Should Know This podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing or sending us a quick five-star review. New episodes come out weekly and we're excited to have you join us as we continue to learn about the companies and individuals who are shaping our future.